Andrea. And I'm Claudia. And we're the Judgy Crime Girls. Hey, yo. Hi. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, creepy corner mm-hmm. this week. It's Friday. We're all looking forward to a nice, gray, wet weekend, I guess. It's better than snow. And ice. And ice. Yeah. I'd rather have this. So I'm ready for a weekend of creepy documentaries. <laughs> Me too. Same. So. We have um, a new one debuted today on Netflix. And it was the... Anna Delvey story, everything you need to know about her, her crimes, who she is, is all coming out. Um, she posed as a wealthy German, um, uh, Harris. She was in New York. She kind of made up her own business to get all these donors. And then Mm -hmm. sounds like the Tinder swindler. That I've watched. And, you know, I'm like, how can women be so dumb? I mean, he swindled, I don't know how many women, out of like $10 million, right? Several oh, women. It was wow. not just one, two, three. It was, I I don't know how many. If they ever said, I missed it, I don't know. But he made it like so real. He would like get an apartment or make you get an apartment. He would move in with you. Oh, I mean, wow. you had a real relationship. It wasn't just somebody you meet on Tinder and never talk to. Right. So I didn't realize that that was a story about a crook because mm-hmm. it, it, this reminded me of the puppet master, which mm-hmm. I did watch, which is also along the same lines of, stealing money and tricking people and you know but that one kind of interviewed her kids Mm -hmm. and it was a sad story but he was the worst of the worst i have on my list to watch another documentary about this german kid who was a teenage drug lord who strictly worked out of his childhood bedroom and he sold drugs online So I'm totally going to watch that this weekend. Um, And just real quick, Andrea and I just uh, finished on Amazon Prime the show Reacher. And I really enjoyed it. It was really good. It was kind of like a little hottie alert. He was from, if you ever watched The Hunger Games, he was one of the contestants on there. And he, I am telling you what, you will not look away. It's a great (laughs) show. And uh, it's kind of a true crime drama mm-hmm. series. We're fans. We watched all eight episodes within four or five days. Claudia and I both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We blew right through it. Uh, there was another one we just finished too. And we're like, now what? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember what it was. Follow us on Instagram, Stay Judgy, and our Twitter handle is Crime Judgy. You'll find us here every week, and we are blown away by all the shares and responses and listeners. So thanks for sharing us with all of your um, judgy friends who, you know, you got to stay judgy out there. Mm -hmm. You definitely do. Yeah. But I ran across the craziest article today. 
there, this happened uh, yesterday on uh, people.com in Illinois. An 80-year-old woman, <laughs> she wakes up. There is a naked intruder in her house that slides into bed with her who has blood all over him and he's holding scissors, right? And this badass 80-year-old... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Right? I can picture he, us being like that. Well, it's crazy because he slides into bed and he's like, I'm not going to hurt you. And she's like, right. So he drags her through the house and um, basically holds her hostage for 17 hours before police figure out something is wrong. And you know, the only reason they figured out something was wrong was because she didn't play... Um, a game like Scrabble with her daughter. Mm-hmm. Do you play Words with Friends? No, I haven't. You should. It could save your life. We'll be well, like. Well, I played for you when you played your husband. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, this is. Uh, will it take a German word? <laughs> Good for 195 points. Yeah. Her daughter lived in all the way in Seattle. But she's like, something's not right. My mom isn't playing Wordle or whatever it is. Like Scrabble. Mm-hmm. So she's like, sends police, you know. And I just thought that was the coolest way to know. Claudia and I are in a business where we run criminal history background checks. We also do uh, welfare checks on yes. people at times. And it is kind of nerve-wracking. It is. You never know what you're going to walk into and I'm always happy when somebody walks around the corner and is like, what are you doing here? Oh, my God, you're alive. Thank the Lord. <laughs> I'm oh. afraid, you know, but yeah, those are so nerve wracking. No, we need to come up with some kind of code word for help or whatever. We do. We're going to count on our listeners to let us know what that should be. Yeah, we need a code word of some sort. It should be lucky, like uh, creatures. Yeah. Because he was like, lucky guess, and lucky. hung up. And then, the, <laughs> and then the detective who, I'm like, he needs to be with her. She's way cool. You know, and Alex is like, you know, he's kind of like you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, he just says it. He doesn't even think about it. Like... You have no filter. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I'm I'm like, why am I always so inappropriate? (laughs) Oh, Oh, gosh. It's it's true. We love you for it. Yeah. I I can't even fake it. People are like, so you're doing good? No. (laughs) Oh, I don't know what to do with that. I didn't expect that. I got Claudia a Valentine's Day gift today. Oh, it's so cute. And it's a coffee mug that says, you're my favorite asshole. (laughs) Because she's the only person in my whole life that's like, we hate gushy shit for Valentine's Day. We just want all the sarcasm. We love it. But what, what, oh no, I kind of made that mug myself. Was it for your birthday? I kind of wrote on it myself. Well, I was cleaning out my closet the other day, 
funny you should mention, right? Every mom on the planet knows the hats, the gloves, the mittens. Mm-hmm. I'm like, these are out of control. And I put them into their separated bins mm-hmm. appropriately. I'm in the back of my closet because I have to hide it. Because <laughs> it's I, not appropriate <laughs> for, for anyone under 16. <laughs> Claudia had handwritten, made me this beautiful mug. <laughs> And it's like, you're my favorite bitch. <laughs> if anybody else what, wanted to be my bitch, I would tell them to come and get you or whatever it Something. is. I don't know. It was super cute. It was so cute. And I'm like, this is the best. I'm like, okay, she can't use it at home. She can't use it at work, but I'm totally going to give it to her. <laughs> so I'm completely useless. No. But funny as hell. It's the <laughs> Best. It's going to be one of those things that when I die, they find later. What are you going to lay on me this? What did you step in this week? Well, this week I am, um, I am going to tell you about Stephanie Lazarus. Have you heard of her? Mm-mm. Well, um, okay. She was a police officer and uh, killed a woman or she killed her ex-boyfriend's wife, really. And I think I just gave it away. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs> oh, shit. You can edit um, that. But, um, you know, and police officers are supposed to protect and serve. And in order to do that, they receive special training, you know, police mm-hmm. officers. I think they have continuous training throughout their career, um, especially training on what to look for uh, at a crime scene or, you know, special clues and whatnot, mm-hmm. right? So, but I'm going to tell you what happens when a police officer uses that training to commit maybe the perfect murder. Oh, no. Well, it wasn't so perfect because I'm going to be talking about it. We know she did it. (laughs) And how, and I'm going to tell you how she was able to get away with it for 22 years. No way. 22 years. Um, So we are going to start in 1978. Stephanie Lazarus was a UCLA freshman at 18 years old. And there at college, she met a guy named John Rutten, a fitness fanatic, and and they met at a party. They both were heavily focused on working out and physical fitness. (laughs) I had to Google that. I'm like, what is that? (laughs) I'm just fitting this whole cookie in my mouth. That's my fitness. Um, And soon... They became really good friends, friends with benefits, really. Uh, Stephanie was really outgoing, a fun person. She was a jokester, a prankster, uh, a bold character who wasn't afraid to get messy. Mm -hmm. And John, a rather timid guy, didn't realize Stephanie was into him romantically at first. He just assumed she was being friendly. John and Stephanie's relationship was always a bit ambiguous. They defined it as casual hookups at first, although Stephanie always wanted something more. 
I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. You liked the guy, you were friends, you liked him more than he liked you. And it kind of sucks. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. And that is just something you have to walk away from, Mm -hmm. I feel like, for me anyway. Um, John, on the other hand, didn't want more. He was fine with how things were, casual hookups and working out, I guess. He was seeing other people and only saw Stephanie as a really good friend he occasionally slept with. Stephanie was aware that John didn't care about her as much as she cared for him. And, you know, it was kind of fine uh, as long as she got to see him. But she complained about it to her friends and constantly wrote about it in her journals. The open relationship continued uh, even after graduation. Stephanie applied for the police academy, surprising her friends and family, and John got a career as an electrical engineer. She never told John how she really felt about him. That is until, and if he couldn't tell, then I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I think that that would just kind of show maybe in her actions and... You would know. You would know. Yeah. Because she would probably start getting jealous. But even, oh, okay, just real quick, side, I'm sidetracking here, but even if you are friends with benefits and you really, really like that person, I think you can tell in the way they kiss you. Because you can tell, you can say so much with a single kiss. And if he couldn't tell, then I don't know. And maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't care. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I do feel bad for her. I I think you're right. I think you need to walk away Mm -hmm. and just be done. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. And this went on for years. I mean, all through college and even after college. So, um... So she never told him how she felt about him until she found out he got engaged. In the late 80s or mid to late 80s, John met 27-year-old Sherry Rasmussen, a graduate of Loma Linda University, who was on a fast uh, career track in critical care nursing. Now, she got into college uh, when she was 16 years old. And in her by by the time she was in her late twenties, she was the director of nursing at Glendale Adventist Medical Center. Now that's pretty impressive. That is. So you get into college at age sixteen, and in your twenties, you're the director. That's crazy. So good for her. Um, she was giving presentations and teaching classes for fellow nurses. And her and John instantly fell in love and were engaged within a year. Stephanie discovered that John and Sherry got engaged. She was so devastated. And because, you know, all this time she was holding on to the thought that maybe, maybe one day she and John would get together. And I think that's what, you know, Little, every little attention he gave her or slept with her, she was hoping we're one step closer, maybe. Yeah. You know, we're we're going to 
We're going to get married. I don't like that. And here's what Stephanie wrote in her journal on the day she found out. I didn't feel like working. I found, I found out that John is getting married. I was depressed. This is very bad. My concentration was negative 10. Mm. That's kind of sad. That is sad. So that night, she called John. She bawled her eyes out and begged him not to get married. Well, kind of late, Stephanie. No joke. Yeah, she, she shouldn't have done that. She told him she needed to see him and if he could come over, and John agreed. And when he got to the house, she confessed her love to him. Oh, well, when I said she shouldn't have done that, I didn't mean to, I know. know, I know. She probably wanted to get it off of her chest. Yeah. I get that. I do. Yeah. It's just hard to be in that But boat. why wait that long? I don't know. But she also, I guess when you're so in love with somebody, maybe you just don't realize, look, he hasn't made a real move on you. He hasn't asked you out on the date in four or five or six years. Well, it's just he's found his happiness. He's made his decision and now you're going to say something? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so she begged him, you know, not to get married. And John's response was honest. He told Stephanie that he didn't feel the same way. And wiping away her tears, Stephanie asked him to sleep with her one last time to give her, quotation marks, closure. Okay, that reminds me of the Adele song. It's all I ask. I don't know. I would have to listen to it again. (laughs) I don't even know. <clears throat> Can you sing it for me? <laughs> no. No. Okay. I guess no karaoke for you guys tonight. Sorry. Sorry. So anyway, he agreed. And I and I don't know if he agreed out of pity or real, like, genuine compassion. He agreed. And John probably wanted to give her that closure she needed and maybe move on with his life. And she can move on with her life. Uh, I don't know how that would give anyone closure, but he's like, okay, okay, twist my arm. I mean, I'm only weeks <laughs> away, weeks away from getting married, but so his little act of nobility or whatever you want to call that was still considered. I mean, cheating, as he was just weeks away from marrying Sherry. Oh. Well, he was wrong about the closure thing <laughs> because just a couple of days later, Stephanie paid a visit to Sherry's workplace. Stephanie wearing short shorts and a crop top. <laughs> I remember those. Later went to Sherry's office at the hospital and told Sherry that she and John had sex two nights previously, two nights ago. Sherry was scared of Stephanie, but forgave John and married him anyway in November of 1985. I thought the next thing you were going to tell me was that she video recorded it or something. No. Were there camcorders? Oh, yeah, in the 80s. Of course there were. Hello. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) I was there. (laughs) Uh, So sometime between December of 85 and January of 86, Stephanie showed up to Sherry and John's apartment unannounced with a pair of skis in her hands. She begged John to wax the skis for uh, for her. John, who didn't have the balls to tell her off, agreed to it. 
He thought that giving in to her request would get her to leave. But no. Stephanie stuck around for hours. And (laughs) Sherry was the one who finally told her to leave. The next day, Stephanie arrived at the apartment yet again. But this time it was a short visit just to pick up the skis. Later, Sherry's dad said that the Wax My Skis visit was probably just to check out their apartment and prepare herself mentally for the killing or the layout. Get the layout of the apartment, maybe. And Stephanie kept showing up on their doorstep. (laughs) Um, John, so she showed up mid-January of 1986. John wasn't home this time. And uh, Sherry kicked her out, telling her to never step foot near them again. (sighs) So, because she thought if John wasn't willing to stand up to her, she was. She was going to take her on. He should have been more forward. Yes. Listen, I'm married. You cannot come over here anymore. Right. Right. She was not just a good friend. And your, you know, your wife feels uncomfortable with that woman around. And can you imagine? She was no. there for hours. How uncomfortable and awkward would that be for, for everyone except Stephanie? <laughs> <laughs> Who was like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. You got she, any food? She probably opened the cabinet, started the yeah. eating Pringles in front of you. You got food? That's me. Is there food? Hey, are you coming over? Is there going to be food? (laughs) So, yeah, so Sherry told her dad all about Stephanie and even considered filing a police report. However, she was afraid um, it would just make the situation worse and that none of the cops would believe her if she filed a complaint against one of their own. Mm. You know, I can see... Yeah. I, I understand her thinking there. Uh, cops usually always take their own side, you know. You would have to have a lot on someone. Yeah. And it's kind of sad that Sherry felt that, that way, that she couldn't approach the police. Mm-hmm. The LAPD's primary job is to ensure safety, really, or any police department, really. Um, and the fact that she felt like they would, she would just be written off mm-hmm. made me kind of sad for her. Um, but Sherry also felt like she was being followed. When she and John were out for dinner one night, she saw a person. <laughs> she saw a person looking at her suspiciously. Um, but she didn't that know happens who? to me all the time because oh. they're like, what a weirdo. <laughs> Embarrassing her husband. (laughs) Well, when they noticed that she saw them, they moved. They left. Sherry later told her dad that the person looked like they were wearing maybe boys' clothes and that they had crazy glaring eyes. Another odd thing that was happening during that time was that she and John would get these odd phone calls really late at night. And when they pick up, there would no res- be no response on the other line. Oh, Stephanie. Stephanie thought she was in a love triangle, but it was really, there was no triangle. 
But um, on February 24th, 1986, Stephanie picked a lock on the Ruttons' home and entered when Sherry was home while John was somewhere else, maybe at work. When Sherry detected Stephanie's presence, the obsessive police woman fired a shot from her 38 caliber revolver, hitting a window. Sherry ran, but Stephanie ran after her. The two struggled in a fight, and Sherry was taller than Stephanie and pretty strong, but Stephanie was a police officer trained in combat. Yeah. You know, Sherry, unfortunately, didn't really stand a chance. But she bit Sherry on the forearm, causing her to let go of a chokehold she had on Stephanie, who then smashed a vase on her head. Do you call it a vase or a vase? Well, Claudia, I call it a vase because I'm not nearly (laughs) as classy as you. Sophisticated. No, I said vase. Smashed a vase. <laughs> okay. That sounds so weird. Wow. But anyway, smash it on her head. Sherry stopped struggling after being struck in the head uh, with the butt of the of um, the revolver. Yeah. And uh, Stephanie then wrapped a blanket around the barrel of the revolver to act as a silencer and then fatally shot Sherry three times in her heart and face. Mm. Once Sherry was dead... Stephanie got to work, making the murder look like a home invasion and robbery gone wrong. She um, proceeded by knocking over furniture, pulling out the drawers, stacked a VCR and CD player as um, if the alleged robbers escaped what they intended to steal in the house after, you know, the murder. So, like, they had to leave suddenly. Right. I feel um, so bad for her. That's it's horrible. It's ugh, I can't even imagine. Uh, so the LAPD believed it was a robbery gone wrong and hunted for an armed robber, not knowing that the real murderer was one of their own looking for the <laughs> robber too. Um. There were no leads. The crime scene did not leave really any physical evidence, no hair, no fiber or blood evidence besides Sherry's own blood to connect to a suspect. So they had to fill in the gaps themselves and burglary was the easy way out. The Rasmussen family, however, wasn't buying it, none of it. And her dad was pretty awesome. Um, it wasn't a robbery. Stephanie Lazarus was the number one suspect for them. From day one of the murder, John's uh, crazy ex, even though she wasn't really an ex-girlfriend, um, was the primary suspect because of all the disturbing stories Sherry had told them in the weeks prior. But they didn't really follow up on any of the leads. Nobody would listen to the Rasmussen's. And that made me so sad. She didn't have any cuts on her or... Stephanie? Yeah. Mm -mm. Wow. And if she did, I mean, they never really looked at her for anything. Because she was looking for the robber. (laughs) Eventually, the trail went cold. And it remained cold for more than two decades. Any hope of Stephanie's relationship with John being reconnected was dissolved 
along with their friendship. In the meantime, Stephanie went on to be a star detective. <laughs> Gack me. Uh, to be a star detective investigating art fraud. She was really good at that. <clears throat> Excuse me. She married a fellow detective, survived thyroid cancer. She founded a daycare program for members of the LAPD. And she adopted a little girl. Wow. Live on, I guess. I feel like she's a pretty ambitious character. Mm-hmm. She's out to get what she wants, yes. clearly. Mm-hmm. Wow. So in 2008, L.A. cold case investigators came across Sherry's murder, and they decided to quietly reopen the case. As they looked into it, they managed to pick up on a crucial piece of evidence, a saliva sample taken from a bite mark on Sherry's arm. So, because remember, she had Stephanie in a chokehold. The saliva sample was sent to a DNA lab for testing, and the results were startling, to say the least. The DNA came back as belonging to a woman, um, a finding that completely knocked the socks off the theory that she was killed by a robber or maybe two. Because um, that's what they thought, right? So Sherry's dad, Nels Rasmussen, received a call from one of the detectives and he was so happy hearing the news. Aww. For the first time in over 20 years, someone from the LAPD was finally willing to listen to him. He begged them to test and compare the samples with Stephanie's DNA. And, you know, they were like, well, if we get the DNA um, back and it doesn't match, we're back to square one. And the dad was like, don't worry. If you get her DNA, I assure you, you'll get your arrest. Like, I can tell you right now, she did it. Yeah. So the cops began to follow Detective Lazarus and eventually picked up a cup and a straw she just kind of discarded. The samples were sent to the lab and the results uh, were shocking, I guess, stunning. The DNA from Sherry's bite mark um, pointed directly at Stephanie. Wow. As soon as the match was made, more than a dozen LAPD officers planned her arrest. Apparently, it's not that easy. (laughs) I mean, you need 12 people. You can't just... 12 people's a lot. Arrest her? Uh, Maybe they were kind of scared of her. I don't know. Well, she probably knows how to run away. Probably thought she was a flight risk. Mm -hmm. But also, she has access to a lot of very... Highly sensitive information that she could leak within minutes. Mm -hmm. True. True. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. Um, So they planned her arrest, but how were they going to arrest an officer without tipping that officer off? Because Stephanie worked directly across the hall, like right across the hall from the people investigating Sherry's murder. (laughs) Their plan was this. A colleague approached uh, approached Stephanie one day and told her that they needed her to question someone about an art theft because she was really good at that. 
She agreed right away and walked towards the cell where she thought the suspect was waiting. Slam the door shut. <laughs> Is that what they did? No. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> well, they knew that before interviewing the so-called suspect, she would have to remove her weapon, her gun. Um, and maybe that is also part why they were kind of careful, because she could probably take at least one or two down. Oh, yeah. So with her gun out of the way, police were now ready to sit her down for, you know, questioning. She was asked to sit down unarmed and unaware that she was actually the suspect. In question, Stephanie made herself comfortable in front of a hidden camera, <laughs> still believing that the topic they wanted to discuss discuss was art theft. And the detective came right out and just said, how do you know John Rutten? And I mean, and it just totally kind of took her back. And she's like, yeah, I mean, we dated, you know, what's this all about? And... Uh, they were like, well, it's relating to his wife. Did you know her? And she said, not really. <laughs> wow. Okay. But the detective kept questioning Stephanie, uh, leaving her no option really to confess. At one point, she got really, really mad. And she she said, you said I was going to interview somebody about art. I don't un understand why you're talking about some guy I dated a million years ago. And um, so the detectives brought up Sherry's death. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sherry's friends say you and her had a problem. And she kind of looked mm, panicky, maybe alarmed at that point. Um, and she just kind of kept shaking her head and scoffed like. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, an hour into the questioning, the, te uh, the detective uh, just asked her, did you ever fight with her? And she said, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, that's a really weird response, considering that it's pretty rare to forget if you, you know, ever had a fight with anyone. Instead of like, mm, I don't I'm think not so. sure. It I was a long know. night at the bar. Not yeah, sure. I don't, don't know. know. Don't remember. And then she was like, uh, if you guys are claiming that I'm a suspect, then I got a problem with that. I mean, I'm shocked. I'm really shocked. That somebody would say this about me. We had a fight. We had a fight, so I went and <gasps> killed her. No, it was a question. Oh. More like, we had a fight, so I went and killed her. Okay. I mean, come on. And she stormed out of the room. And only to be arrested and handcuffed right outside the room. Because <laughs> they so, didn't tell her they had her DNA. Well, they eventually the did. Yeah. Yeah. So on June 5th, 2009, um, Stephanie Lazarus was charged with first-degree murder. Stephanie's attorney believed that the state's case against his client was ridiculous and the, that she was 100% innocent. Of course. Uh, he also said the DNA evidence is fraud, and he insisted Stephanie wasn't as in love with John as they made her out to be. Uh, he said, was Stephanie obsessed with him? Absolutely not. Infatuated? Yes. Obsessed? No. Hmm. Okay. 
prosecutors were like, yeah, we have her journal and it clearly showed that she was growing progressively more upset about Sherry and John's relationship. And she was upset, obsessed. Um, so to back up their story, they called their star witness, John Rutten, to testify. For the first time in 25 years, John agreed to speak publicly about the case. He said that Stephanie was so upset that she cried and begged him, begged him not to get married. He said that he had never seen her so upset before. Stephanie's attorney tried to paint a picture of his client as a well-respected officer who wasn't, you know, all that into John at all. And she was a well-respected officer in, in her department. Um, she was really good at what she did. Um, so he then attacked the DNA evidence, claiming that it was completely unreliable because of the way it was handled since it was first taken over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. DNA doesn't lie. No. I just like to tell everyone. Unless the cotton swabs are contaminated. <laughs> they come from a factory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. But the DNA didn't lie. They found her <laughs> DNA everywhere. Yes, they did. <laughs> um, so anyway, he said the evidence was whack. Uh, but the prosecutors weren't worried. Uh, they had additional circumstantial case against Stephanie. As it turns out, two weeks after the murder, back in, in the 80s, Stephanie reported a gun stolen from the Santa Monica police. Uh department coincidence i, I think, think not so. <laughs> i don't think so yeah she reported her gun stolen mm -hmm. uh, after more than a month of going back and forth with over 60 witnesses the jury took a little more than a day to reach their verdict we the jury find the defendant guilty of the cr uh, murder of Sh sherry rasmussen they announced stephanie lazarus was sentenced to 27 years to life as of today she is still in the institution of california for women and corona and will be eligible for parole in 2034 her multiple appeals have been denied as all the evidence in this case is clear and appoints totally towards her the end. <laughs> Beautiful love story. I wow. know. She's like, I'm in a love triangle. No. No. There no. is no triangle. <laughs> Those two are married and you are forcing your way in to something that's never going to happen. But I did feel bad when she was younger. Yeah. You know, she really liked him and... <sighs> I don't know. I'm really, really glad that he was able, still alive and able to come back and stand up for, you know, yeah. his, his love of his life. However, I'm going to use that term a little loosely because he did cheat on her right before their wedding. Right. And basically, <clears throat> how can you not tell your I don't friend know. to not leave how can you not be like you know right. we had a thing 
Yeah. It was nice, but, you know. But maybe in his mind, he felt like he's not, ugh, sorry, he's not sleeping with her because he wanted to, like it was a sexual, mm, I want you kind of thing. You know, I think maybe he felt like it was less cheating because he was mm, releasing her, giving her closure. You know what I mean? I think maybe in his mind... Those are two different things. I don't know. Cheating is cheating to me. Cheating it doesn't matter. Cheating. Yeah. Whether it's physical, um, you know, uh, what's the other one? Physical or text messaging or whatever, phone calls, talking, you are cheating. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I better stop before I go on a whole nother rant. I guess. <laughs> We're, we're releasing this episode out into the world <laughs> to let you guys know, just to be open and frank with people about how you feel. Yeah. If you're not that into them or be clear, if you want to be friends with benefits, just say, listen, I, I like you. You're, you're my buddy or whatever, but this is never going to go past what we have in the sack yeah it's never gonna be anything else right. you know if they're up for it great if not mm, move on move on there's plenty of other people that would love you for who you are yeah and want the same thing exactly yeah for sure awesome story once again you always blow me away that's so crazy i can't believe they were right across the hall yeah and they were like Hey, shh, we have quiet. to keep this quiet because she's right across the hall. <laughs> so, and I could see her just walking the hall, saying hello to everyone with her coffee mug. Because she, she was well liked, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and she did do a lot of good things, you know? I'm, uh, you know, I mean, opening a daycare uh, for the police department. So they can go see their kids on the break if they have one or whatever. Crazy. Well, th you did a beautiful job. Thank <laughs> you for sharing. This was different. I'm in the U.S. today. I, I feel, I feel a little off. I'm like, oh, my God. Mm. I think it's interesting. She's appealed many times and she's still sitting mm -hmm. in California. But yep. wonderful story. Thank Hope you. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And we will uh, see you next week. And happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. So we have our first anniversary coming up real soon. Yeah. Can you believe it? We're almost one. We We're should, almost a year old. We should smash a cake. <laughs> or cookies. Yeah. Lisette. <laughs> we might need some help with that. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.